This is episode 327 of The Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at A24's newest film, The Green Knight, and Disney's latest adventure into making a, a theme park ride into a movie, Jungle Cruise. How will they both fare out? All that and more. This episode starts right now. And welcome to episode 327 of the Real Me and Colin Movie Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee, and thank you for joining me uh, whenever you're listening to this. And before we begin the episode, if you could spread this around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that would be much appreciated. So yes, the uh, main reviews and topics of conversation are going to be uh, A24's new film, The Green Knight, directed by David Lowry, starring Dev Patel. It looks like this epic fantasy but made on a you know mid-sized budget it just looks awesome and then of course i'll be going over disney's jungle cruise which is the uh, latest experiment going into theaters and disney plus for the extra fee when it comes out uh, and both these come out this friday july 30th so uh, first of all how are you guys doing you guys doing pretty well i uh, ho- hope everyone is doing well uh you know um I've been catching up on a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, that's what uh, Victoria and I have been doing. I would go to work, be completely drained, and then I'll come home and either watch like a screener or we'll watch stuff that we need to catch up on. And so these last two weeks were more of just like a, um, hey, what do we have to knock off the list that we've uh, procrastinated for so long? But uh, yeah, that's that's what we've been doing. But yeah, work has been busy. Um you know, I'm pushing myself to the limit in terms of being creatively drained at work and then coming to do, you know, movie reviews and podcasts and stuff. But I think I'm, you know, getting better at it and I just keep pushing through and, you know, make sure I take days off if I need to. And I, I think I have found a balance of some sort. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely getting to me. But, you know, that is... Uh, this is the price I pay because I, I love doing this and I love talking to you guys and I just know it, it takes a little bit of effort. So I just need to get off my lazy bum and uh, do that for you guys. But yeah, it's uh, especially this, this past week has been has been crazy, uh, but it'll, it'll start to slow down here in August uh, just in my personal life. So I should be able to uh, focus a little bit more on this stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, so Catching up on stuff, it's it's just been crazy, like, how much stuff uh, Victoria and I have watched um, over the course of two weeks, you know, just since, since the last time I spoke to you guys. Um, so, yeah, let's go down the list of uh, everything I've caught up on, see uh, if anyone's watching the same stuff I'm watching. Um, we finished up Love, Victor, Season 2, and uh, another great season. Uh, love Season 1, but I think Season 2 is even better, and... Victoria made a good point, and she actually likes um, the B storylines more. And, you know, that's not really um, common for shows, period, because, you know, you're like, I want to follow the lead. I want to follow the A storyline. But um, for some weird reason, like, this is this is one where, like, the B storyline and the, the characters surrounding Victor are just really compelling, and Victor's also really compelling with his his relationship with his boyfriend. But I just love how everyone's kind of like interwoven and just kind of tangled with one another in their lives. And I don't know, I just, um, they spent a lot of time focusing on 
other people this season, and maybe that's why um, it, it was just more them. And then season three will probably be more Victor uh, to kind of end his journey. I don't know if a season three is happening, but it should <laughs> to end the storyline. But, um, yeah, uh, really, really great uh, season once again. Um, Never Have I Ever season two uh, is something we watched because we watched season one last year. Also really great. Uh, you know, Netflix is kind of a hit and miss when it comes to their comedies, but I, I love the quirkiness of this show. I love the fast-paced um, kind of curveball humor where you just don't expect what they're going to say. A lot of it is pop culture references, but uh, some of it actually really does work, and it does make you laugh out loud. Um, and I like all the characters. Uh, and uh, So the biggest complaint I have on these shows, as always, uh, just like I did with 13 Reasons Why, is like, these kids in high school that are playing high schoolers, uh, they just look like they're 25 and older. Uh, and 13 Reasons Why was like one of my favorite jokes to go to because um, even with season four, um, Ross Butler, <laughs> the guys on that show, and I think he's a great actor. I think I think he's great. He's very charismatic and um, he's fun to watch. <laughs> but he's my age. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm six months away from turning 32. Ross Butler is my age. So when season four came out, I believe I was 30 at the time, right? It came out last year? Last year or two years ago? I forgot. Whenever season four came out, he was already like 30, still playing like a 17-year-old. And like, that's just always my biggest uh, gripe <laughs> with these high school shows is like, none of these people look like they're in high school. Uh, with Never Have I Ever... The main love interest, uh, the actor that plays Paxton, he looks like he's seen some stuff. Like he looks like he's lived life twice as long as I have, and I'm like, I just, <laughs> it just cracks me up every single time. But yes, uh, uh, another great season of television with that one as well. Um, let's just go ahead and go on the television train. Uh, the White Lotus from HBO. Um, it is our Sunday night show that we like watching now. We used to watch like the documentaries, uh, Murder on Middle Beach. Uh, that one was really great. I'll Be Gone in the Dark, really great. Uh, Mayor of Easttown, Game of Thrones when it aired. Like Sunday night was our thing. We just loved watching new HBO shows. And so this is the, the newest one. A bunch of people stuck at a resort, and we just kind of see them all interact with each other, maybe cross paths with other guests that we're focusing on. Uh, the manager of the, the resort, etc. Um, but it's got such a, a crazy cast. Uh, Alexandria Daddario, uh, Jake Lacey, Steve Zahn, Connie Britton, uh, Sydney Sweeney, um, the kid whose name I always forget, but he pops up in everything nowadays. Um, who else? I think that's all the, the, big, the big names. Um, oh, uh, Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, yeah, it's just such a weird show because it's got like this, it doesn't even feel right. All these characters just feel like super annoying and just like, it just doesn't feel like real life. Um, but the premise is Jake Lacey's characters at an airport. A couple is asking him how his vacation went and he's like, it was terrible. Stop talking to me. He walks up to the window, uh, where the plane is at. He's looking down and there is a dead body box going uh, dead body box what is it a box where they like not a coffin but like just a like a storage unit for uh, a body 
and it's being put onto the plane. So obviously someone died while he was there, but we don't know who. Uh, so we're halfway through the season right now, and it's just um, it's really a really fun mystery, uh, kind of uh, comedic as well in spots, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's an interesting show. It, it keeps my attention. Uh, I just like watching all these characters uh, interact. So let's see, what else have we caught up on? We finished the Fear Street trilogy. Uh, I think I watched the first one by the time the last podcast came out. But we finished it with uh, 1976 and um, 1666. I think the second one is way better. Uh, definitely is an ode to slasher films at campsites while also being its own thing, kind of dipping into more supernatural stuff. And we get a little bit more of a, a sense of like what the story is actually about. And the third one is half prequel. Uh, well, I'd say two-thirds prequel. And then uh, the last third is just the continuation of the first one, kind of wrapping up everything. It's not the best thing ever, but I, I applaud Netflix for doing something ambitious like that, and I, I, I did um, enjoy myself in some parts. Uh, you know, the, the kills were were fun. The, uh, uh, the 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 actual like story and stuff were was was interesting when it got a little bit closer to the end. I was like, oh, that that's interesting. Um, there's a couple of funny funny bits in there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, like I said, it's not like something that's consistent, but like it comes out in spurts where you're like, oh, that was kind of interesting. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, a, you know, a decent little little trilogy uh, for horror fans everywhere. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. It's not really like a, a ringing endorsement, but, you know, I'm glad I finished it up because, like I said, it did get better. And let's see, the last thing... I think if I saw anything else, I'm still watching Dave uh, on uh, Hulu. Uh, it premieres on FX and it debuts on Hulu the next day. That's such a funny show. I can relate to Dave so much. He, I think I am that character. <laughs> I'm like this person that is slightly neurotic and like wants to be perfect all the time, and like nothing really ever falls into place. And I, I like I panic if uh, if I have to rearrange plans and stuff. I'm like oh my god, I'm having a headache right now because I am this person. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, still watching Dave. Really great show, really funny. And I think that's it. Uh, but I think the last like big thing I saw uh, while I was away was uh, Quiet Place 2. Um, I saw it on Paramount+. Plus. I didn't go to a theater or anything. And so, because I'm wait, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Alamo Drafthouse is my favorite theater chain so i'm kind of waiting for that to open up before i go back <laughs> to theaters um yeah and uh the one that i really like is opening in like a, a couple weeks so excited uh so when it does open I'll, I'll go back to the theater but for this one i waited the 45 days it hit paramount plus and i thought it was a solid follow-up um i am curious to see what they do with three because uh, with uh, number two they expanded it a little bit more there's more people now the stakes are higher. There was definitely a lot more thrills. I loved um, uh, uh, certain sequences, really just kind of like that awesome kind of suspense uh, that you, you want in these types of movies, especially when there's you know little to no dialogue. You know you have to really kind of amp up sound design and just editing and just really kind of make this like an experience. And I, I really think there's a lot of sequences that that do that. They're just kind of like 
you literally cannot say anything. You have to hold your breath while, while watching it because some of this stuff is just like people are <laughs> almost dying in situations. It's it's crazy. And I love the opening. I love seeing where the, the monsters came from and how it disrupted life. Um, yeah, solid little sequel. So you guys, there you go. Uh, I, w- I wasn't going to do like a full uh, review on it, but um, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's all we caught up on. You're like, really, that's it? It's like, yeah, that's... We've just been catching up on stuff, and then uh, I watched a screener for you guys. Um, that will debut next week sometime, uh, and I think that's it. So, yeah, uh, so that's what I've been catching up on. What have you been catching up on? Is there anything I discussed that you, you were watching or, um, you know, uh, you you that something that you watch and you want to recommend? Just, you know, whatever, just comment down below. Oh, I also forgot that uh, we watched... Um, what was it? Too Hot to Handle Season 2, uh, <laughs> our, our trashy reality show. You know, we always like to mix in one. Uh, yeah, it's, I love those. <laughs> it's, it's one of those shows to where you're just like, this is ridiculous. I would never want to hang out with these people, but it's like, uh, I can't resist not watching. Um, these people are just so idiotic. Like, I, I just, I have to, um, I have to keep watching. So it's like, yeah, it's like watching a train wreck. So yeah, I forgot to mention we watched that too. But yes, that is all I watched. Uh, let me know down below uh, just everything that we watched and all that stuff uh, uh, and I watched and everything you want to recommend. Comment down below. And then when we come back, I will be going over A24's The Green Knight. You do not want to miss this conversation. This movie's a trip. I'll see you guys soon. <laughs> And welcome back. So uh, for the first film uh, I want to talk about is The Green Knight. This is a fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and The Green Knight. Sir Gawain, played by Dev Patel, is brought to us from A24 and is written and directed by David Lowry, who also worked with A24 with Ghost Story. And uh, he is behind the film Pete's Dragon that was made for Disney. And that movie is very important uh, in this conversation because he has learned a lot of stuff uh, from that movie and applied it to this film. So jumping into the movie, you know, I, I only saw the trailer once and I really liked the trailer quite a bit. It was very bold, inventive, exciting, and it looked really expensive. So it looked like this movie was going to have a lot riding on its shoulders. So I was hoping it was going to be a success and just be knocked out of the park. And so, you know, that's all I had going into it was just, I knew this movie was coming just because of David Lowry and A24 and you know, this medieval fantasy, like, it sounded awesome, and the trailer didn't disappoint, so then the movie came. I like the movie a lot. I might even love it, and I've sat on this movie for three days now uh, at the time of this recording, so it might just grow on me, uh, and, and the love for it will just expand even more, but yeah, this, this is a dense movie, and I'm actually really excited to read and watch everyone's reviews on this film and see the different perspectives on it because this thing could go in a million different directions in terms of how people are going to review it. And that's exciting because this movie is packed with a whole lot of stuff. So it's going to be kind of hard to review, but I'm going to try my best and just kind of give you my uh, experience with it and my, my perspective on it. So let's start with David Lowry because I think a lot of this has to do with his vision his execution and just just the overall movie like this is him uh for sure um 
So let's go ahead and start with uh, uh, just kind of how he directed this thing, how how he wrote this thing, and just. So let's start with David Lowry as we break this down because I feel like his vision and his execution of this film, it's so grand and ambitious. Like we have to talk about him first uh, as the writer and director. So uh, what I really liked about this movie the most in terms of uh, Lowry is the world building and just the, the sense of this surreal fable, this dreamlike kind of like essence that he kind of, puts around this entire film the aura of just uh, making it as surreal as possible and just kind of taking you on this weird uh, experience and journey. I just, I really enjoyed it because I, I really felt like I was there. I felt like I was a part of this journey of Dev Patel's journey and just the, the kookiness, the weirdness, the uh, location changes and just how everything had personality and flair to it. And you felt like this was like a gigantic... Um, country that they were walking through and everything I just everything about it I just I loved the vision behind it for sure and just the way it looked and just um, you really felt like you were in this fantastical element and uh, that that's what that's what going to the movies is all about just really escaping and being there with the characters and the locations and just oh just I, I love the, the way this thing looks and it, it, the budget shows for sure. So I don't think they, they skimped on anything. Like everything that they wanted to execute, it, it is shown in glorious detail. Um, and I, I really think giving this movie a, a pretty nice chunk of a budget uh, really helped um, execute his vision like this. So, and then also the story itself is really just thematically rich. Uh, at the end of the film, when Dev Patel is at the end of his journey, like the transformation he has from the beginning to the end is extraordinary and just the idea of like what it means to be courageous and noble because you know during this time time period being you know courageous is killing your enemy and being noble is you know stabbing people in the back and climbing your way up the the power hierarchy and the green knight is like teaching sir gawain like no, that's not what it means to be courageous and noble. You need to understand this. You need to understand if you want to climb up, you know, the hierarchy and be in charge, it, it might take a hold of you and it might turn you into an evil person. Like, that's not what that means. Like, you need to be, you need to be you and you need to be true to yourself and you need to find your self-worth and, and realize that nobility and, and courageous acts you know, come from the heart. So when he's in front of the Green Knight, you know, and telling him about fears and desires and all that stuff and what he wants for his life, you know, the Green Knight kind of like throws it back at him like, okay, so if you want those things, like you are going down the wrong path, like you need to do this. And so I thought those themes kind of resonated with me the most. And that's what I took away from the film in terms of being the most prominent ones. And uh, I, I thought it was quite beautiful, actually. Uh, just the, the journey, like I said, that Deb Patel took uh, to get to that realization, it's a really kind of an emotionally rich journey, just filled with uh, different scenarios that he kind of comes across and really kind of tests um, that idea of, of nobility and courage. So, yeah, that that is what stuck with me the most in terms of uh, just the storytelling and everything. So, 
uh, yeah, I think David Lowry knocked it out of the park with that. And the third thing I think David Lowry and the special effects team did very well in this film are the special effects. You know, in Peach Dragon, that film is a CGI character uh, interacting with real people in the scene. So I think David Lowry learned a lot of neat little tricks in that film, and he applied it to this film, and it shows. Uh, the special effects are outstanding. Uh, I could I couldn't tell sometimes if uh, if it was a, like a real set or if there was some like green screen elements to it. The CGI like uh, creatures and just the uh, stuff that's in uh, particular scenes are blended in seamless. Like it, it's a part of the environment. I never felt like it was a distraction because that's what special effects are supposed to do. They're supposed to enhance your vision uh, for the story and just the the environment. They're supposed to be blended in. And not be you know uh, something that sticks out like a sore thumb, and so I think everything about this film, when it comes to the effects, are just, they're mind blowing. Uh, the Green Knight, uh, in particular, also blew my mind on how well it was detailed and textured, and how real it felt. It felt like this real giant rock thing walking along, and it just it was terrifying. And so, yeah, I, you know, Weta is the one that worked on this film, and what is amazing at what they do so it doesn't surprise me but um the in-camera special effects are also outstanding because this cinematography is very dreamlike it's very floaty it just kind of like moves with the characters there's a lot of you know pushes and pulls and side to sides and you know characters are, are moving with these cgi creatures or maybe like green screen backgrounds and it's the camera's constantly moving you know, with like green screen work, typically filmmakers will have actors stay somewhat still, you know, and do what they need to do. And it doesn't feel real. It feels fake. But this just felt like it was a part of this universe. It was a part of this fantastical, um, you know, journey that Dev Patel was uh, taking. And it, it really kind of, it, it took you there. It, it, it put you in that mindset that this was just this, really cool fantasy movie and everything just worked because the cgi could have been a, an eyesore it could have it could have stuck out in the worst way possible but it blended in so well so yeah those are my three kind of points on david lowry and his uh kind of direction for this film so great job deb patel always great always great I, i've never really seen him deliver like a bad performance there's been some mediocre ones, but uh, I think for the most part, he's consistent. He's outstanding in this film. And the the end scene, that's all I'll say. <laughs> he was great the entire film. But that last bit, that man will strike fear into your, into your heart for sure. Uh, there were certain moments where I was like, wow. Look where, look where he was at at the beginning. Look where he's at at the end and how he can switch between emotions like that and make you feel like, oh, he's like the nicest guy ever and then like, oh my God, he's going to kill me. Like the, the range on this guy is just incredible. It's always incredible in most films that he's in, but he, he's just a really great lead to follow in this and i really enjoyed watching him alicia vikander is also in this and she's she's really potent as well with her performance like she's in the film a lot in the beginning and a lot at the end it doesn't matter she was uh on her game 1000 percent. 
she delivered it and it just uh it was a really great performance and i like that kind of dynamic between her and dev patel i've never seen them together on screen before but uh it was a very charming kind of relationship and i i like their chemistry quite a bit um all the other performances are also uh you know really good uh but it's mainly about them two uh for sure a couple things and then i'll just wrap this review up uh the production design and costume design also outstanding a lot of the budget went into the special effects for sure but they still had enough to like really concentrate on some of the practical stuff as well like the the clothes and just the the environment and the way it was dressed and the way it was looked and it it made you feel like you were there and it was a part of the time period really great stuff and then the last thing i want to talk about and probably probably my favorite aspect and i hope it wins the oscar for this and, and unless i hear something better it is still it's gonna be my favorite of the year the score the score is outstanding it, it is it's an original piece the best way to describe it it's orchestral it's also epic and it also kind of has like this new age horror to it as well it's a weird blend but i was i was i was sucked into this thing like i rarely stay through the credits but the score was playing over it and i had to sit there and listen to it it was that good and so you want to talk about something that um just takes the emotional intensity of the performances the editing the effects and just the the direction of david lowry all that combined makes for a great scene you put this score on top of that it takes the uh uh the emotional intensity to from a 10 to an 11 like it's just it just heightens the scene especially for the very very end when there's no dialogue and it relies on the music to carry you through that it's it's my favorite of the year so far like i said unless something can beat it it is my favorite and i would not be shocked if it won the oscar for next year for uh, best uh, original score so the the score it's it's something else man <laughs> i haven't heard one of those in quite some time where i was like wow i just sat through the whole credits and i didn't even notice so um yeah i i think uh i think talking about this film really made me appreciate it even more so I, i'm gonna go ahead and just go on the record and say i love this film and i would like to revisit it again i would like to just watch it from an entertainment perspective i would like to uh watch it again and break it down from a filmmaking perspective and just kind of learn from it you know with my own filmmaking it's just it's a really great film to kind of uh explore over and over again so i really hope everyone out there um likes this movie loves it if you don't like it please comment down below i would like to know uh i would like to know why i'd like to hear everyone's opinions on this because this is going to probably be one of those where i feel like a lot of people are either going to hate it or love it and whoever hates it or loves it is going to have a different kind of perspective on it so that's super exciting and that is my review of The Green Knight. When we come back, I will be going over Disney's latest film to uh, be made after a, a attraction ride. Uh, first being, uh, oh, they made several of them, but the most successful one by far is Pirates of the Caribbean. But uh, I will be going over Jungle Cruise. And this is also going to be on Disney Plus for the extra uh, extra fee. So is it worth it on there? Is it, you know, see it in theaters? You guys will just have to find out. <laughs> I'm not going
And welcome back. And the film I want to talk about now is Jungle Cruise. Now, this one stars Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, and it's based on the Disneyland theme park ride where a small river boat takes a group of travelers through a jungle filled with dangerous animals and reptiles, but with the supernatural element. Um, and this one is also a uh, Disney Plus premiere access experiment like Black Widow was and Cruella uh, and Raya and the Last Dragon where it's going to play day and day in theaters and on Disney Plus for that extra uh, fee, just in case if you were wondering. So, uh, yeah, let's get into this. Before I get into the review, uh, leading up to this, I had expectations, but they weren't like overblown or high expectations or anything. It was just like, I saw the trailer last year. I thought it looked like it could be fun. And it was supposed to come out next summer, pandemic hits, and so they had to readjust it, and now it's coming out a year later. I kind of forgot the trailer at this point, which could be good because everything could be, you know, fresh and surprising in the film. And then I could be like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. And someone could be like, well, that played in the trailer. So that that could be a good thing. An interesting fact about this one um, that I guess I completely forgot is the director, uh, Jaume Collette Sarah. I absolutely love this guy. And he's been a part of my life in terms of film for like, I can't do math right now, like 16 years. Um, he did the House of Wax remake uh, in 2005. He did the Orphan movie, which I, I love. If you've never seen that one, that one's a trip. Uh, back in 2009, uh, he's worked with Liam Deeson a lot. He's going to be on the Black Adam film. He's kind of all over the place with his filmography, but I love it. You know, it kind of makes something different each time. He made The Shallows as well with Blake Lively. So uh, that, that caught my attention as well when I was... Uh, looking this movie up before I was about to watch, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> it's Colette Sarah. He's uh, he's back at it again. So uh, I, thought, I just thought that was a, a neat little fact. Uh, I just nerded out for you for a brief second. I apologize. Okay, so how's the movie? I am kind of in the, the, the lane of, like, it's just okay and slightly good. So kind of like that like area i don't think it's a bad movie by any means i don't think it's a great movie it's just kind of like you know it's in that sweet spot of like it's okay in some parts but it's also slightly fun in others and it did put a grin on my face so take that for what you will it does play out like a giant very just goofy saturday morning cartoon i don't think that's a bad thing that's what they were kind of going for uh and it kind of has that feel to it uh where stuff is over the top stuff is you know like the villain is very mustache twirly but i did have fun i have to admit and i think you know when you're taking a a, a ride in a theme park and transforming it into a movie sounds like a dumb idea but they have done it before with parts of the caribbean so you just never know but this is not at parts of the caribbean level but it is a parts of the caribbean light and it is a strong <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean life, but a fun movie in some parts, and uh, I, I did enjoy myself most of the time, particularly uh, from Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. I think this is the biggest aspect about this film, is their chemistry. You're going to hear about it in all the reviews, and it's absolutely true. Their chemistry is dynamite. It explodes on screen. Their humor is spot on. That timing that they have and the, the dry wit to their delivery it works um and just their their kind of romantic chemistry as well also works uh just their banter about their you know their characters and everything and their their lives and everything 
That was interesting to hear. These two carry this movie. This movie could have been very bad if your leads were not on point. These two are on point, and this is, like I said, the strongest aspect about this film. To kind of jump to uh, Jean-Michel Collette Sarah, uh, Sarah for a bit as director and capturing this kind of fun Pirates of the Caribbean-esque vision, I think I think he did a pretty good job. I mean, there is a lot of uh, blemishes and issues with some of the green screen work and CGI work, but this movie is going to kill with kids and families. And I think capturing that kind of like family entertainment, you know, kind of aesthetic and just making it appealing to all ages. And, you know, it is very slapsticky at sometimes. It's very, like I said, goofy. But I think people are going to enjoy this. And I think Colette Sarah knew the assignment. He did the homework correctly. And he delivered a wonderful family film in that regard. Um, like I said, the actual like story and you know kind of journey that this movie kind of goes on, it's over the top. It's kind of simplistic. Um, you know, with just like, hey, bad guy, want artifact, cat and mouse game through the Amazons and on boats. Uh, so it's there's really not a lot to it, but you know you make up for it with like the pops of excitement with the action sequences, and I think uh, Colette Sarah does make some thrilling sequences that I think is going to, you know, have like kids on edge and like wondering what's going to happen, you know, to their favorite, uh, you know, boat person, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. And uh, yeah, I, I think some of those sequences are really fun to watch. Uh, and some of them get pretty dark. I was uh, surprised that they went to some of those places, but then again, it is PG 13. Um, you know, it's the same kind of like PG 13 mindset as like a Pirates of the Caribbean. So really nothing to worry about if you want to, uh, have your kids watch this, but yeah, I think uh, Colette Sarah really is uh, great at making family films, and th this is a great testament to it. So I, I honestly, I hope he makes more, diverse filmography even more, because uh, that that man just he just knows how to do it. You know, they tell him what to do, and he's just like, I can deliver that. Um, like I said, some of the blemishes with the CGI and the green screen work are very very apparent. You know, Colette Sarah is in the Disney machine. It's not something he can control. He can do the best that he can. Some of it is uh, an eyesore, but you know what? Uh, then you'll have some sequences, like there, there is a sequence with like um, a waterfall. That was really cool to watch. Um, and that didn't really seem like overly uh, produced with the, the CGI at all. So that's what I'm saying, like, this movie kind of has like a back and forth uh, with it, and there's a lot of practical sex sets that um, uh, they use for some of the sequences, so that kind of helps the authenticity of it. So, you know, like I said, I think uh, Colette Sarah did the best that he could. Uh, some of the other players involved in terms of uh, acting, uh, Jesse Plemons is in it. He is the, the villain, very mustache twirly, but I'm okay with that. That's what he was going for. He gives it 2,000% effort. And he's absolutely funny to watch. Uh, I wish he could do more stuff like that. Uh, Paul Giamatti makes a uh, an appearance in it. Once again, kind of goofy, over the top. You know, I, I appreciate it. Uh, the costuming and the sets are dressed up really well. Makes you really feel like you're you're on this, you know, actual ride in a theme park and kind of capturing that fun uh, adventure spirit. Uh, and and I, I, it's very it's a very colorful movie for sure. So. 
um, I think they did a really great job kind of capturing that uh, atmosphere, that just that that fun kind of energy that you want for this type of film. Um, and then the music is uh, really, really fun. Uh, it's, it's really kind of energetic and kind of adds a lot of spice to each scene. Definitely not, I, I, I know I'm bringing it up again, but, uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, great theme. Everyone remembers that. There's nothing memorable in this, but... I, I do love me a good like um, adventure type of uh, uh, score. It just it really adds a lot to the sequences that you're seeing and just the the energy of the film. So I really appreciated that as well. I think that's pretty much it. There's really not much else to explore or talk about. Um, it's very straightforward. Uh, there are a couple surprises that caught me off guard in terms of like Dwayne Johnson's character and uh, just some of the sequences where it, it went it pushed pushed the envelope just a little bit uh, to the edge and I was like okay Disney I like that but um, yeah really nothing else to talk about I think I hit all the points so you know like I said kind of in that sweet spot of um, thinking it's okay in just some parts and then kind of dipping into good so kind of that ballpark but. If you're uh, wondering if this is a great family entertainment this weekend, I think this is actually a good pick. I think um, your family's going to love it. I think your kids going to love it. So, you know, I'm, I'm someone with no kids right now. So if I thought it was just okay to slightly good, now just imagine, like, what a kid's going to think. And that is my review of Jungle Cruise. Like I said, I think uh, if you have a family and you don't want to go to the theaters, I do think it's worth $30 on Disney+. Plus. Um, it, it, it's a fun time and I think kids are going to really enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, so that is the review of Jungle Cruise and the Green Knight. Let me know down below what you think of both of these films and, uh, just everything about them, whether you love them, they hate them. If you disagree with me, if you agree with me, all that stuff, I love hearing everyone's opinions. So that will do it for this episode, guys of 327 of the Real Me and Cold Movie Podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you guys listening, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I appreciate the patience that you guys have and just I'm all over the place. Um, you know, like I said, I'm slowly getting back into it. So the rhythm of the show and everything else going on with the channel, it's not going to be steady for a while. You know, I'm just going to keep going and just see what I can do each week if I bring them back weekly and, you know, just what I'm going to review and all that stuff. So still trying to work out the kinks, but uh, I appreciate you guys uh uh, sticking it out with me. Um, you guys are the best, seriously. So, yeah, for next week, uh, there's going to be no uh, big show, I believe. Um, actually, no, I take that back. I'm going to try to do the Suicide Squad. Um, we're going to watch it next week. Um, yeah, and I think I'll have... Yeah, I take that back, everyone. I will have a big show. I keep forgetting that that movie's coming out. <laughs> I'm... I'm just not realizing that in real time. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so there will be a show next week, uh, with the suicide squad. I will have a mini review of another movie. Uh, look out for that one. Seriously, guys, you don't want to miss it. And then, um, yeah, so that's next week's prospect. So yeah, that will do it for three for three twenty seven though. Uh, please show this around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast. To listen to, and then uh, that will do it. I am Chase Lee for Real Me and Cold Movie Podcast. You guys are fantastic. I'll see you next week for The Suicide Squad. Will it be better than the first one? I don't know. Let's uh, let's find out together. Let's go on that journey. So, <laughs> All right, I'll see you guys next week.